Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're rounding up the big news affecting markets this week with interest rate decisions due on both sides of the Atlantic, big movements for gold and an update from the world's most famous investor. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. There will be important updates this week when the central banks of the US and the UK decide whether to hold or to raise interest rates. If they are held, it may just be possible that we have now seen the peak for rates, an important moment on the way back to something like normal economic conditions. Not the beginning of the end of high rates, perhaps, but maybe the end of the beginning. To discuss that, as well as some of the other big stories in markets this week, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, uh, now, by the time listeners hear this, the Federal Reserve in the US may have announced its latest decision on rates. The Bank of England is going to follow on on Thursday. Um, So what we say can be made to look out of date very quickly here, but uh, there is a feeling, isn't there, that rate setters are likely to wait and see if they're tightening their interest rate rises that they've done so far are enough to see off inflation. Yes, absolutely. That's what people are expecting. They're expecting both the Fed on Wednesday and the Bank of England on Thursday to to pause. uh, the 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 Federal Reserve is is the, is the the most interesting one I think. I mean we had we had ten um, rate rises at consecutive meetings up until June this year. So uh, effectively rates went from zero to uh, nearly five and a half percent in in very very uh, short order. Um, and I think what's what the Fed is now going to do is just hold fire to see. Um, how that is feeding through into the real economy, because there's always a lag with with interest rate rises. Uh, you raise rates, and then you have to wait and see what what the impact is going to be, how quickly they uh, and how much they slow down the economy. Um, so I think that's what the that's what the Fed's going to do. It's slightly different calculation for the Bank of England because um, uh, the inflation question here is 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 more. Pressing. Um, I mean, uh, the, the the latest inflation figure here in the UK was six point seven percent in in September, which is which is much higher than most developed countries. I mean, just earlier this week we had figures out of Germany and Spain. Spain, I think, was three and a half percent. Germany was three percent. So, um, you know, the the UK is a bit of an outlier in inflation, and that is informing the the Bank of England's decision. But as with the Fed. They 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 are concerned that you know there is a real risk that um, that they squeeze too much, and um, uh, and and you know we are looking down the barrel of a recession uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, and I think the the central banks are going to be a bit cautious. Yeah, I mean, but the the equation w- was was very similar at the last meeting of the Bank of England, and they decided just about they decided to hold rates. I think a, a, a five four split maybe mm. on the on the NPC for that one. Um, forgive me, I don't know if the if the US have yet held rates this summer. 
Yeah, they have. So they um, they held in July, yeah, um, and uh, and then they raised again uh, in August at the next meeting. So this is the first meeting since then. So they, you know, they're 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 hesitating. They're, yes. they're they're wavering, if you like. And and Jerome Powell has said that there could be more room for for rises. You do have to sort out uh, or, or sort of sift out um, what central banks say from what they do or, or are likely to do and they, they're bound to talk tough aren't they on inflation and, and interest rate rises because that can actually have a similar effect to a, an interest rate rise in a, in a way um, but there will be some people looking at this and saying well actually both banks now have paused you, you know in a, in a sort of at least from the consecutive rises mm. certainly in the UK you feel if you get another pause in rates people will be wondering well is this now the peak for rates um, what do you think is going to be on the minds of central banks here? You've, you've, you've spoken about this risk that they that they over tighten, but of course there's a risk that they under tighten as well. Mm. Where do you think they're? What, what what are they most worried about? Yeah, well, I think they're they're worried about both, and I think the consequence of that is that um, is that interest rates may hang around at this sort of level for quite some time. So yeah. um, the, the, the chief economist at the, at the Bank of England is a guy called Hugh Pill, and he, he made a speech recently and he he made an, an interesting analogy. He was actually, the speech was in South Africa. So uh, he, he said that um, uh, the, the trajectory for interest rates is going to look a bit like uh, table Mountain in Cape Town, so right. basically long and flat. Um, so essentially, what he's saying is, you know, interest rates at five and a quarter percent are, you know, probably going to be there for some time. Um, because yes, there, there isn't really an argument for pushing them much higher because the economy does appear to be slowing down. We've got a slowing um, housing market. Growth is pretty sluggish. The bank's most recent forecast for growth uh, was just 0.5% both this year and next year. So pretty sluggish uh, growth. But on the other hand, as as we've discussed, inflation is still much too high in the UK. So I think interest rates stay where they are for quite some time. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I looked in before we uh, we came in today. You can you can see forecasts, can't you, based on what the bond market is is pricing, uh, where it expects uh, interest rates to be. And basically, the, it suggests that they'll stay at this level um, all of next year. And then by 2025, by the end of 2025, so in two years time, they'll be uh, down at 3% from where they are. So still higher, miles mm. higher, actually, than, mm. than what, we had been. Been, the, what we've been used to. And, and this, this period of high rates, it's going to feel very long in the tooth, isn't it, when we get to, to next, next year, this point next year, and rates haven't shifted, if that is, indeed is what we get. Mm. Um, the the pips like, will be squeaking by yeah, that point. Yeah, uh, they absolutely will. I mean, it feels like the new normal, and it's a pretty unpalatable normal for, for a lot of people. Because, you know, if, if, we do, if, if rates do stay at that level, then th- this whole sort of cycle of people rolling over, their fixed rate mortgages rolling over, uh, will continue. For, huge numbers for, will have done it by then. Huge numbers of people will have will have uh, have seen their in their mortgage rates, you know, double or, or even worse than that. So that's going to have a really profound impact on on the economy. And I suppose that you know the 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 the, the argument uh, for people that think that interest rates are going to come down, uh, I think that that is 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 the, the the consequence of that because if the economy really does slow down in the way that we've just described, then, you know, there's no way that interest rates are going to stay at that kind of level. I mean, I we'll move on uh, before long, Tom, but just, just finally, I mean, I don't know about you, but do you, f- for a long time, it felt 
you know, we had warnings of recession and there was no sign of it, really. You just, it didn't feel like a recession. T to me, that feels like it's changing, walking about the city of London, for example. You know, the issues of job security, of pressure on business, on wages. It's beginning to feel a bit more recession-like th than it has. And these things matter, don't they, in, in when you're talking about economies, because it's how people feel that that feeds through to their spending decisions. Um, this slowdown in growth that the bank absolutely wants to see, that's not a bug of its plan, that's a feature of its mm. plan. Um, it may come through in, 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 a, in a bit of a flood, right? And this is, this is the problem with over-tightening. Well, you think you get this kind of tipping point, don't you? I mean, it's it's the um, you know it's the wily coyote moment where you know the so the cartoon character runs off the cliff and you know everything seems to be okay and then suddenly it drops. And I think that we we are getting this accumulation of things, and you mentioned them there: the housing market, the jobs market, you know, high inflation, cost of living crisis. All of these things mount up until actually people change their behaviour, and yeah. and that that change of behavior then becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, let's um, let's move on now, uh, Tom, because there's a couple of other things I want to touch upon today. Um, and the first one is gold. Now, um, we've just been talking about interest rates staying high. That's not typically uh, the best environment for gold prices, is it? Um, and yet, what has been happening to gold? <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, I mean... Over the summer, the, the gold price did did drift, and 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 that is kind of what you would expect in a in a higher for longer interest rate in, in environment. The opportunity cost of holding gold in that environment is 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 high because gold doesn't pay an income, uh, and so if you're able to secure a, a decent yield on alternative um, investments like bonds, um, like cash. Um, and, and, and equities, of course, um, then the incentive to hold gold falls away. And so you would expect the price to fall. And that's what happened until about three weeks ago. You know, and un it's no coincidence that the gold price has actually um, uh, soared in the, in the last two weeks because one of the other key aspects of gold is um, that it is seen as a uh, as a safe haven at, at times of stress, whether that's mm. economic stress or geopolitical stress. Uh, and clearly with uh, what's going on in Israel and Gaza, the geopolitical risks around the world have have intensified yeah. and people tend to people tend to to move into gold at, at those kinds of times. So we've seen the gold price move from about eighteen hundred dollars an ounce to about $2,000 an ounce, which is close to its all-time all time high just in the last three weeks. Yeah, it does have a, a, a sort of an in extreme, you know, in extreme sort of circumstances, break glass and get gold sort of field, <laughs> isn't it, that asset? But it's always strange to me that that status, it does enjoy that, that status when things really look very uncertain, not in necessarily in markets, but just geopolitically, as you say, people go for gold and you sort of wonder, well, what is their envisaged final scenario here that we're all bartering with gold because you know the the world's gone to hell in the handcart yes uh, yeah i mean you're you're right i mean it's not it's not a panacea to hold to hold gold i mean you know uh, but uh, but that's what happens when when people are yeah. nervous they tend to they tend to go to gold indeed indeed um well we've spoken loads about the the appropriate levels of gold you should hold in portfolios so we won't go over that again um tom but we will uh, finally for this week um 
uh, talk about Warren Buffett, the world's most famous investor, I think that's fair to say. Um, we're going to get an update, aren't we, from Berkshire Hathaway. That's the big conglomerate company that he still heads, executive chairman, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's still, he's still, you know, I mean, he's 93 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, he's still very much, um, uh, you know, at the helm of Berkshire Hathaway. So this is, I mean, this is, uh, it's a massive company now. I mean, it's a $700 billion conglomerate um, uh, which he's run since the, the mid-1960s when he essentially took over a, a failing New England textile mill and turned it into this massive this massive uh, conglomerate. Via so, the insurance market, via Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a huge player in the insurance market. Uh, it's a huge player in the, in the, the, the railroads business in, in the US. And it also has a massive... Um, uh, portfolio of, of, of equities. Now, interesting. I was looking at the I was looking at the equity portfolio uh, uh, today for, for for a piece of, that I'm writing. About half of that equity portfolio. It's a, it's a three hundred. It's a over three hundred billion dollar equity portfolio. More than about half of it is accounted for by one stock, which is Apple. Which is it's a very interesting situation because. Um, you know, famously, Warren Buffett was very sort of um, sniffy and cautious about technology uh, stocks. And, and then very late to the party, 2016, he um, acquired a, a big stake in um, about 6% stake in, in Apple. It's been a fantastic uh, investment. His timing was absolutely perfect. And you sort of think, well, I wonder, I wonder why did he invest in, in, in Apple? And actually, it ticks all of his boxes. When you think about what he looks for, he looks for, you know, fantastically strong brands uh, with very loyal uh, customer bases, things which people actually feel that they can't do without. And if you look at the history of the, the companies that he's invested, things like Coca-Cola, Gillette, um, they're, 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 they're very basic products that people can't do with yeah. that. And that in, increasingly is what the iPhone has become. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the perfect Buffett uh, investment. But I think his, his great insight in 2016 was uh, to see that the company was, was no longer just a manufacturer of, of a hardware product it was actually moving into services and that was going to create this environment yeah. in which we were locked in um and and that i think was his great insight and at the time apple shares were not very expensive they were trading on about 11 times earnings they're now trading on closer to 30 times earnings well so I, that's very, i mean i've written about apple in the last month or two i would say and um there's some fascinating sort of data there about about the type of company or the data that tells you the type of company that Apple is and it's it's exactly that sort of metamorphosis that you talk about right because there's a chart which shows um Apple's I guess it's growth revenue growth or whatever it is and it's like a it's like a saw blade mm. right up and down up and down up and down coinciding all the time with the release of iPhones mm. And that's what drove its that's what drove its growth, mm. and obviously it was fantastically successful as a product. But that that sort of sawtooth um, nature of its earnings meant that maybe a certain type of investor had a ceiling on what it thought Apple could be, and maybe Buffett was one of those. Mm. Then you overlay what it's doing with services, mm. and it's this rock solid, growing line of growth in revenues. And it's and it's every time taking more of the pie, as it were, and and it's just becoming uh, an absolute rock solid sort of money earner. Mm. 
And for someone like Buffett, I'm sure he sort of recognised that that was going to happen. Indeed, it has. Mm. And, and, and that's the sort of company that is that is not worth 11 times earnings. It's worth 25, 30 mm. times earnings. And that was his great insight was to, to see that. Um, and, and, but he has that is his genius as an investor is he has this ability to 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 to, to have these great insights um, uh, and then to go very big with them. So well, it's I mean, a scale, isn't it? It's yeah. a scale thing. I mean, he doesn't, you know, when he, um, Coca-Cola is a very good example, actually. He bought Coca-Cola just after the 1987 uh, crash when it was sold down along with, with everything else. But it was the most fantastically reliable company. You know, Coca-Cola is sold in 200 markets uh, around the world. Um, and um, it was always going to be a good investment. So so he he's, he famously, you know, is associated with not with market timing, but with just buying great companies. But actually, his genius is to combine the buying the great companies with with the timing. Well, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, I was going to sort of ask, you know, what is his relevance these days for investors? You know, no one probably ever is going to replicate what you know the figures that we could all quote about his his annualized returns i mean they're they're, they're mad mm. you know but they are also um of a of a time of the 60s and the 70s and mm. all these these periods of rapid economic growth for the us he was there for that all of that um nowadays and he's on record as saying look stick your money in a in an s&p mm. tracker because that's you know that's probably where the most you know where most investors should be mm. If you look at the performance, I mean, he hasn't always beaten the market, but in the last year, he absolutely has beaten the market, or at least Berkshire Hathaway share price has beaten what the S&P 500 is, is doing. I mean, he's not completely um, irrelevant, even at 93, 94 No, results. absolutely, he's not. And, and if you look over, really, if you look over any time period you choose, he's done as well as the market or better. Uh, I mean, I, I actually looked again this morning when I was writing this piece that over the last 20 years, Berkshire Hathaway's value has risen sevenfold. Yeah. The S and P five hundred has risen fourfold, so he has materially outperformed the market over the long over the long haul. But I think you know he he his success was you know largely a consequence of his success in the early days in in, in yeah. the past, and he's finding it very difficult to to find you know good investments. He's got about one hundred and fifty billion dollars of uninvested cash. Um, waiting to be, it'd be interesting to see the, the results of this weekend. It'd be interesting what he has to say about that. But he is finding new ideas. I mean, famously, you know, three three years ago, he went back into the Japanese market and well, uh, invested it. in these big Japanese trading companies. And so he's constantly surprising. And and uh, well, you know, it's, that's the 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 decision to to go into a, a brand new market i mean again that talks to the scale of the investments he's having to make he can't just look for a company that there would be no point yeah if you with with that kind of cash pile there'd be no point in sort of finding um you know anything even a quite a big company because it's not it's not going to move the dial no. no 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 it's it's not i mean um it was put to me once in terms of what Berkshire Hathaway does if you're an investor in it because it it does it in a in a strange sort of way mirror certainly the American stock market it's got a, you know a huge position in Apple well Apple has a huge position in the market mm. so in a way it replicates what American and maybe global equities are doing but because of this big cash pile that it has you can buy it and the market does buy it in in times of uncertainty because it knows that 
it will just go out and buy the companies that it loves for mm. cheaper. And it has the firepower to do it. It has the firepower mm. to do it. So it's, a, it's almost a sort of strange sort of downside play um, or downside protection play on the market. It's a, it's sort of, it's, it's a genius thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so it is a downside protection, but it's also a fantastic growth stock, growth stock that, that you know, has, has outperformed the market uh, over the years. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, you, you said it yourself. He's, he's clearly a one-off. Um, you know, he's extremely patient. He waits for the these investments to come along because they don't come along very often. But I think it's also fair to say that an investor like Buffett doesn't come along very often. No, indeed, indeed. Okay, well, Tom, that is all the time we have this week. Thanks for joining me. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.